Welcome back to another episode of Courtside Talk. If you guys are listening on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Music, make sure you guys follow the pages, subscribe to the channel if you guys are on YouTube. Um, I will have the links to Spotify in the description. My name is Anthony, my co-host Matt, and we are doing the MVP ladder. What week are we in, Matt? We are in week eight. Week eight, man. The NBA season is flying by. Playoffs are going to be all-stars right around the corner. And then before you know, playoffs. So it's going to be a crazy time. Um, the headline of this week's MVP ladder is no denying Rudy Gobert's value to Jazz, which is fine. Um, we're going to read what Beverly said. And then me and Matt are kind of going to discuss this first. And we're going to break down the MVPs. Um, Beverly said, if I'm defensive player of the year, I'm always guarding the best player no matter what. I'm not roaming right um he's guarding mike Connolly, donovan mitchell bogdanovich right he's got rudy gobert guarding jared vanderbilt right i mean he's not wrong in one sense but this leads back to my point which i'll kind of go into more detail later but matt tell me what you think about this what pat bev's comments in utah and like gobert's impact so he really sums it up in the last line you've got rudy gobert out there guarding vanderbilt and every time i hear he's the defensive player of the year so whatever now this is a challenging topic because on one end you could say the game has changed where the best players aren't guarding each other as much anymore but there's some truth to that you know especially between the players of course there's a respect factor uh between them that you know that's that's not really analytical but however i think there's some merit to it as much as uh rudy gobert is a killer on defense you know, there are candidates out there that are constantly switching between one to four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not really guarding anyone who's not in the five or four position. What do you think? Yeah, I can agree with that. It's just that the main reason for me why Utah will always be pretenders is because of Rudy Gobert. I get like, he no, he's that guy. He can guard the five. If it's just a one-on-one yeah. with a five, right? If the five can't shoot threes, he can guard them. As soon as there's a stretch five, he cannot guard them because he can't keep up with them, right? All you have to do is put Rudy Gobert in a pick and roll and you will score every single time. We saw the Clippers do that in the conference finals last year. Sorry, in the semifinals last year. Any team that plays him, like Chris Paul has been torching the Utah Jazz because I'm a big Chris Paul guy. And I've been watching him torch Utah since Gobert came into the league because of that terrible pick and roll defense. He does, He's not able to step up high enough. He's not able to stop the roll. The thing with Gobert is like, I get what Patrick Beverly is saying, but like, Gobert shouldn't be a three-time defensive player of the year. I would, I, I give more value to Draymond, PJ Tucker. Those guys are undersized and they take on the matchup, right? And even if you know the thing is, is that if you're taking on the matchup and consistently losing, it's one thing. It's just that I don't think you should be hiding Gobert on Jared Vanderbilt, and I agree, especially against Minnesota, right? Like you have Towns, he should be guarding Towns, but the problem is that Towns can shoot the three, so. Other than that, I don't want to get too much into Rudy Gobert, but I do think he is overrated. I'm not going to lie to you. He is he is really good. He's great for fantasy. He wants points, rebounds, blocks, whatever. Great for that. But in terms of a defensive player of the year candidate, I think there's guys like Macau Bridges, the Draymond Greens, the OGs when they're healthy, the Kawhis of the league that deserve more, more look, right? Because they take on those matchups um, yeah, every night, point. right? I mean, yeah, he does have a lot of games with 20 rebounds or more, and he is important to Utah, but he's not important enough where he's in the top five, let alone probably not even the top 10. So in saying that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get back to the top five. 
Not a lot of movement this week, but I feel like between what you and I think, there might be some movement among us. And we kind of disagree with the latter a little bit, but we're going to find out. So, Matt, start us off with Steph Curry at number one. Yes, sir. Let's get it rolling with Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors at number one, averaging 27.5 points per game, five assists. Sorry, five rebounds and six assists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he is blazing hot to start the season. I think he was the fan favorite. Everyone knew that he came off an amazing year last year and he was looking to continue that. There seems like there's going to be no signs of him slowing down, especially with Ray Allen's uh, record uh, about to be topped uh, for the most three-pointers made coming up soon. Uh, looks like Steph Curry is, you know, he's, he's leading this race because not only is he playing at the highest level, but his team is doing the best as the result of that. Do you think that he defines the award so far? Week yeah, like if the season stopped right now and we had to give an MVP, it's it's going to Steph for sure just because of their team's record. And like when he's hot, he's hot and the Warriors are unstoppable because he just, you know, he attracts so much attention, right? The thing yeah. is, is that he's 10, he's 10 three-pointers away from Ray Allen's all-time record. And that's crazy. I was in a Twitter space the other day after one of the Golden State games. And like, you know, they were trying to listen. And I was never a Steph Curry fan, man. You know this, like... I'm a Chris Paul guy, so there's always been beef with Steph Curry, right? But the thing is, like, he's too great to deny. Like, the amount of threes that he hits a game at the volume that he shoots them, the percentage that he makes them at, he is the best shooter of all time. There is holes in his game, but we're not going to look at the holes in his game because what he does when he shoots the basketball and comes off of running around screens, like, he's so good at what he does that the rest of his game is not does not matter right now because he's the league's MVP. So to see him break the record, I'm actually happy to see that because the game of basketball is supposed to evolve. And I hope one day someone can break his record, which is probably even crazy to think about because if you ask somebody 15 years ago, like, you think they would ever, somebody would break Ray Allen's record? Like, yeah, okay, no chance. He shattered Ray Allen's record. Steph Curry has another 67 years of basketball with his IQ and the way he can play, right? So... Steph is gonna be Steph is gonna be different, but he's he's the quarter season MVP or a third of the season MVP for sure. But the thing is, it's not over yet. Like it's if there's some underdogs in this MVP race that can definitely step it up. Golden State, keep in mind, has not played the strongest opponents yet throughout the year. Right? They've had a pretty relatively easy schedule compared to the rest of the NBA, and they're yeah. going on a bunch of road trips. So a lot of things can happen. Right? Um, it's gonna be interesting to see. But Steph is definitely yeah. number one. And uh, at number two, we got KD, Matt. Tell me. Yeah, number two, KD. Um, you know, 28.5 points per game, seven, uh, pretty much eight rebounds a mm-hmm. game, and five assists. You know what? KD is on fire. And I hate to see him at number two because he's playing so good. He deserves mm-hmm. to be like a 1A, 1B sort of situation. But. This isn't Kobe and Shaq sharing an all-star game MVP. There's only one award that can be handed out this year for the MVP. And, you know, KD is doing a lot in the clutch. Uh, I think that's what uh, needs to be uh, recognized this week. Uh, You know, Nets have gone through a lot this season. Between Kyrie being out and, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge being out a game. You know, Joe Harris, who's been, you know, someone who never misses a game for them to be out long term. You know, KD has gone through a lot of changes 
and uh, in the lineups and throughout the roster, and he's handled it so well. So uh, I'm I'm happy to see that he's still you know that best player um, kind of aura around him, and it still shows that uh, him being number two. Same situation as last week. If Curry has you know two three bad games in a row, the MVP race is going to change uh, dramatically with KD being with how well he's MVP. playing. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, for sure, man. I've been advocating for KD all year because he's leading the league in scoring. Right, he's ranks number eight in field goal attempts, but he leads the league in scoring. Right, so his efficiency is off the charts. Wow. Um, they had a huge comeback against Dallas the other day. The thing is that KD, you can't count him out, right? Like, it, there's just no counting out KD. And he's he's behind Steph. He's not as far behind as people think. He's leading the league in scoring. Brooklyn has a solid record in the East. They're one of the top teams in the East, right? Um, like you said, if, if Steph has a couple bad games and KD keeps up his consistency, he has a very good chance of uh, moving up to number one. I'm not mad at him at number two at all. Um, I think it's a 1A, 1B thing as well. It's just that when you look at the Warriors, they're 21 and four. Yeah. Crazy yeah. record to start the season, right? So if the Nets were 21 and four, we'd be having a different conversation. That's so, so true. I agree uh, with that. But to, to KD's defense, the Warriors have a better system, better coaching, better defense, better supporting cast, right? I agree. So if you really want to look at the valuable aspect of it, how they're trying to frame it, KD is, you know, He's just as valuable, right? Um, yeah. Moving on to number three, Giannis. Man, he's just—he's right there too, bro. 27 points a game, 11 and a half rebounds, and practically six assists, right? When they got that lineup of him, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton, they are on demon time. Um, but the thing that I don't like about this Giannis, actually, this one, is that he had a really bad game the other night. So I could not, I couldn't, I wasn't able to move him up. He was three for nine. P.J. Tucker, when P.J. Tucker guarded him, maybe he was in his head a little bit. Maybe it was an off night. But there was no Bam Adebayo and no Jimmy Butler, I believe. Or Jimmy Butler was hobbled, right? And they still yeah, lost he, that game to Miami. Right? And they lost yeah. that game to Miami. Like, especially because there's nobody in the paint. The way to stop Giannis is to build a wall. Without Bam there, I don't care who, you, who you're building the wall with. He should be able to feast. Now, in saying that, out of all the games he's played, this is really his first game where you're kind of like eh? you know what i mean so i'm That's not too true. mad at him for it but it does leave him at number three for me um but i'm gonna be honest with you just because of that game that he had and the way Jokic is playing i would slide Jokic up to three and Giannis at four just for this week because i just feel like Jokic deserves it at 39 11 and 11 the other night like you know what i mean um so i how do you feel about Giannis? Yeah, I love Giannis at number three. I think the competition between the top four candidates, I mean, we mentioned last week that all of them have won the MVP mm -hmm. before, and they're all playing like they've won the MVP before. Yeah. So with Giannis, even though, uh, you know, he had a bad game earlier and you mentioned it, he's doing a lot of great things. You know, he's two blocks away um, from, you know, being uh, most blocks in uh, Bucks, Bucks history, history which huge. is a great accomplishment so quickly, you know, uh, in his career. Uh, he's also averaging a career high in rebounding, assists, and blocks, and he hmm. ranks top 10 in scoring, uh, rebounds, and blocks uh, in the league. So, you know, I see what you're saying, but, you know, he's this, going off. Between him and Jokic, they have a really good chance of, you know, contesting, um, 
Curry and Durant. I feel like those are the only two players who have that star power uh, and, you know, provide the stats and help their team in a way that can challenge the top two. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I think they can challenge the top two, um, especially if the Bucks end up with the best record in the East, right? What if the Bucks win 60 games somehow That'll this year, change right? That'll change the narrative a lot. Change, it'll be Absolutely. a huge change. So, man, shout out to Giannis. He's been playing amazing as well. Like 27 points and practically 12 rebounds a game is huge, right? Like he's... No championship hangover, a little bit at the beginning of the season, but you kind of forget about that with how well he's been playing recently, aside from that Miami game. On to number four, Jokic. Uh, last night they lost because they were on a back-to-back. They should have won that game. That would have increased their stock as well. Um, but, man, Jokic had a 39-11-11 game the other night, right? And Jokic is just different because you look at him and you're like, yo, like I could score on this guy. Like he wouldn't even beat me in a one. Like if you just saw him walking down the street, if you just saw him walking down the street, you're like, yo, this guy, this guy cannot hoop. Like I don't care. He, he cannot play basketball. He gets on the court, bro. He is going crazy. It does not matter who they throw at him. He can shoot the three jump hook. It really does not matter. Um, he's technically producing an arguably better clip from when he won the MVP. Right, he has triple doubles in the last three games and passed Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer Larry Bird for eighth in NBA history on Monday, right, and then tied James Harden for seventh on Thursday. That's insane, right? Yeah. Uh, Jokic is dude, thirteen and a half rebounds a game for a guy that's not—he's not really athletic like that compared to like a Giannis, like an Embiid, the guys that have hops, right? Jokic is all IQ. He's got the positioning down packed. He knows where to be. He's able to see where the ball comes off the rim. Jokic is ahead of the game, and I think what separates him from the rest of these guys, well, him and Chris Paul are kind of a little bit more similar, but like Giannis and KD and Steph are like talent. A lot of it is IQ with Jokic. He really uses his his basketball IQ and his brain to get to his spots and pick teams apart. When they get Jamal Murray back, man, I don't know. I'm not going to want to play him, that's for sure. Yeah, I love the point you made about uh, his build. You know, when you look at Jokic, uh, he's not someone that you should, I mean, you shouldn't do it in general, but, you know, don't judge a book no. by its cover. Uh, when it comes to the European brand of basketball, if you look at history, you know, between Dirk Nowitzki, Manu Ginobili, these Luka. aren't players that are overly athletic, right? Mm-hmm. There's something that's beyond the surface, right? Just because someone doesn't look athletic doesn't mean they aren't athletic. Jokic is very athletic. And it's, uh, it's just tough to see because he doesn't look or have the body build of a Dwight Howard or a LeBron James. You know what I mean? In their prime. Uh, so, you know, Jokic is someone who, if you're a fantasy owner, you're super happy that you uh, drafted him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's someone who contributes on all levels. And, you know, this is, this is someone who won last year. And even though he's fourth, um, I feel like b- between Giannis, Durant, and Curry – he has the little. He has the least um, media attention towards him. He doesn't have that superstar power uh, that they have because of their flash and you know part of their game and their reputation and so many other factors. So Jokic always flies under the radar. But you know, for him to be at number four, like you said, he actually low key deserves to be number three. Yeah. And you know, you can even argue uh, he's putting up better numbers or you know just as good of numbers as Last number two year. and number one. So, you know, Jokic is uh, Jokic is not playing games this year. I think he has, um, you know, one of the highest chances of winning this award. The so thing, I'm happy with him at number four. The thing out of all the MVP cans with Jokic, too, is he has the worst supporting cast out of all of them. 
Yeah, that's something you got to take into consideration. He like, has the Harden worst supporting play, cast. Is Durant, you know, mm-hmm. like how much? No, Durant's still going off, play. low key. They're, but they're not he's winning as many off, games. How are the Nets doing? You know what yeah. I mean. Jokic has done pretty well, all yeah. things considered. No, I, I I agree with that. Um, yeah, man, the, they they all got better teams and better records, so that's why I think he's only at number four, mm-hmm. right? On to number five, my guy is still in the race, Matt. Take it away. Playing sick. So like, it's still. Right, I love this first line because it says stop focusing on the raw numbers and pay attention to the way he affects winning. If you've seen that Spurs game the other night, what he did off that turnover by Jay Crowder, DeJounte Murray going for the Euro, and DeJounte Murray's like six foot six. He just literally went popped that shit right out of his hand, <laughs> deflected it off DeJounte Murray, got the ball, went down, hit bro, hit three or four buckets in a row. It didn't matter who's guarding him. Him, very similar to Jokic's, it's all IQ-based. He chose the first three quarters. He said he gets everybody going. He gets Cam Johnson going, Jay Crowder going, DeAndre Aiden gets his looks. So that when the fourth quarter comes, everybody's like warmed up and they're, they're feeling confident about shooting. They're not watching him play for three and a half quarters and then end the shot clock, he's throwing them the ball, right? He's always getting guys good looks. Like There's a couple plays that I was watching the game where Jay Crowder came off a pin down he didn't, Jay Crowder didn't get the look that he wanted, and that play was designed for him. He calls him over, and they run it back, and he ends up hitting a three again, right? Like, he's all about yeah. getting his teammates involved. And with Booker out, you guys are, like, they haven't played a lot of games yet, but it doesn't look like Booker's coming back anytime soon. You will really be able to see um, how, like, his impact on the Suns and what he does, even defensively, man. He, he has no problem guarding the DeJounte Murrays. He has no problem guarding the Stephs at points in the game. He's turning yeah. 37 next year. Like, I think the numbers don't do him justice, the 14.5 points a game and 10 assists a game. He's still leading the league in assists, third in steals, um, number one in the league. The Suns are number one in the league for offensive efficiency in crunch time, number two in defensive rating, and one in net rating. And he, in crunch time, he's the best player in the last five minutes of the game in the NBA right now. So, yeah, I think, like, you know, I think it's it's going to be slept on because if you look at the numbers of the other guys, 26, 13, and 7, 27, 11, and 6, 28, 7, and 6, and then 27, 5, and 6, versus 14 and 10, people are 14, 4, and 10, people are always going to look at it and be like, eh, you know what I'm saying? Like the numbers don't pop off, but if you want to make the most valuable campaign, then I think I think he has a very good shot at it. Especially because they're they're one game behind the best record in the NBA, and they're probably going to beat the Celtics tonight to tie Golden State again, right? So we'll see. You're right. You're absolutely right. And you know, you're you mentioned that he doesn't have the prettiest stat lines compared to the you know the previous four that uh, on the MVP race that we just mentioned. But you know, if you're a fantasy owner you're understanding that you pick someone in the third round that's giving you first round value, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The numbers may not be pretty, but they're efficient. Number three in steals. And I think this is what Patrick Beverly was kind of hinting at. We need to give more light on players who are guarding the top players, switching when they're, when it's, when, you know what I mean? When it's, uh, when it's a pick and, you know, Chris Paul is doing everything, right? He's doing it in the clutch and, I want to point out a difference. Um, no, no shade to uh, Scoot or Jalen Green, but you know when you have a team like Houston, when they're playing, 
you know, they're using a lot of their shot clock, you know, they're, they're forcing it. There's less strategy involved mm-hmm. than when, you know, someone like Chris Paul is coming down the court, getting a pick. There's more strategy involved. And, you know, it's no shade to Houston. They're just a young team that's figuring it out. But I just want to really point out and contrast the professionalism that's going on with what Chris Paul is doing. He's playing with intent. He's playing, you know, trying to find the right guy, making the right play. And we've mentioned that constantly throughout the MVP race uh, at Courtside Talk. And we're going to keep highlighting it because uh, making winning plays and doing that kind of stuff uh, will add your stock in the MVP race uh, if you're not, you know, the, the top stat stuffer in the league. Their record would be a lot different if he was on the team, if he wasn't on the team, because there's been a lot of close games, Absolutely. right, where he has literally taken over the game. And credit to Booker as well, right? I'm not discrediting Booker at all. Booker is that guy, and they feed off each other in the clutch, right? They go one at a time. But now that Booker's out, you guys are really gonna get to see the. Uh, it's like it's gonna be like his OKC season again, right? So you're gonna be able to see what he's able to do. Um, the next five, they got Rudy Gobert at number six. I'm gonna be honest with you, I do not like that at all. I'm not even going to lie to you. I would not even put Gobert, put Gobert at 10. <laughs> I would move Trey up, Zach Levine up, DeRozan up, Jimmy Butler up, and Gobert down only because of the defensive thing, right? And, bro, I hate Patrick Beverly. Like, okay, hate is a strong word, but I do not like Patrick Beverly. He's an irritant. That Clippers series last year, he's always annoying. He's always talking smack. Cancun, one, two, three, Cancun, you know, like, he's just, he's annoying, right? So, Patrick Beverly wasn't wrong in what he was saying because any pick and roll, nobody's scared to go bear so he does have an impact because he's been playing well on utah but utah as a team has been playing that together donovan's coming to his own mike Connolly is slept on big time nobody's even talking about mike Connolly, right um yeah i agree so i'm not really mad at it lucas still kind of in there joel Embiid. if joel Embiid gets healthy do not be surprised if he gets into the top 10 i see him creeping up man because i I, Anyone's on this list. Um, I see Trey Young mm-hmm. and Embiid moving up, but I think Trey Young is. I worry about Trey Young because sometimes he gets these hot moments, and I don't know if it's sustainable in the MVP race. This is not an All Star campaign. This is the top of the top when it comes to the yeah. MVP race. So, do you think Trey Young is sustainable? It's gonna be tough, but they 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 lose games that they shouldn't lose, and then they beat like they like they're playing Brooklyn tonight, right? They might they might win that game, and Trey might have forty, for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, it'll add stock for sure if they you win know that what, game, right? But like the thing is though, is that even if they do, it's like you still got to keep going. Yeah. Um, Lamelo Ball too. If he comes out of protocol, like I mean, he's having. Uh, you know, I've mentioned this previously. Uh, 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 sophomore year Doncic kind of season so you know if he's gonna have like if he's gonna come back from COVID protocols and uh, you know hit the stat sheets and stuff them and uh, put Charlotte in a winning position do you see his uh, value going up yeah I do for sure but for me my dark horse I can see LaMelo going off for sure Charlotte's got to get their record up big time um, I think for me my dark horse in this is Joel Embiid don't be surprised yeah, if he's in the top fair. top 10 fair. very soon because at the end of the game, Joel just gets the ball and he's like, yo, everybody get the out of the way. Like, just move. Yeah. He's so clutch. He's, he's on the right man. He's one of the best oh. players in the clutch in the NBA right now. So, yeah, big time. Uh, I could see his uh, stock going up. Yeah. So, that is going to be it uh, for the MVP race week eight. Thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, if you guys are on Spotify or on YouTube, make sure you guys follow the page, subscribe if you're on YouTube. 
um we will catch you guys in the next one we'll have the power rankings going soon and if you guys have any suggestions and you know me or matt personally feel free to let us know or to comment on the youtube pages what you guys would want to see next all right sure also follow us on twitter Mm -hmm. and tiktok at courtside talk underscore uh we're going to be tweeting live uh throughout games and talking a lot of smack Talking a lot of smack. <laughs> you don't want to miss uh, the fire tweets that we're going to be blowing off. So A lot of smack talking. Yeah. Stay tuned for that.